0: alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our special guest today is Zanita Henderson, an award-winning telecommunications executive with over three decades of proven results and an exceptional record for achieving or exceeding business goals. As Chief Marketing Officer, Zanita is part of Segra's Transformational Growth Plan, responsible for all corporate marketing functions, sales, and account management. Since joining SEGRA in May 2022, she has made significant impact on their marketing activity, demand generation efforts, and brand awareness. As a leader, Zanita is known as an inspiration to everyone that she works with to do great things for customers, the company, the industry, and frankly, everyone affected by those people. Zanita has earned many recognitions, including the WICT Network SETE Cablefax Women in Technology Award and was dubbed Woman to Watch by WICT. What I appreciate most about you, Zanita, is your kindness, perseverance, energizing personality, and your shameless love for the Philadelphia Eagles. Welcome to ROG, Zanita.
1: Thank you, Shannon. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here.
0: Yes, I've been dying for this interview for so long, and I'm grateful that you're making this happen with us today. I would love for you to just start... For our listeners, mm-hmm. I mean, even those who do know you, Zay, like, give us a little bit of your background. Mm-hmm. Where was Anita born? And give us, like, the highlight reel. You
1: got it. So, on that wonderful day, December the 18th, 1967, <laughs> uh-huh. in Germantown Hospital in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Zanita Henderson was born. (laughs) Yes. So
0: I was born. The medical professionals were like, I've never seen such an adorable (laughs) (laughs) human.
1: My mother was all (laughs) aglow. Everything was fabulous. (laughs) Exactly. And I am an only child. So, you know, once she had me, there was was no, like, there's nothing else. I don't need to have another child. (laughs) Why why try again? I'm not going to do any better than this. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so I was born in Philadelphia. Um, I actually from the Germantown section of Philadelphia. I'm very proud of that. Um, and I like, what I like to say is that I was there probably till I was about seven. Um, my, uh, we did a Jeffersons. I love to say that. We did a Jeffersons. We did a move it on up and moved into Montgomery County section of um, Pennsylvania. So in the worship area, going through all through school, wanted to be a nurse because the reason why we even moved to the suburbs was because um, my grandmother, unfortunately, had a stroke. And she was in a nursing home that was out in Plymouth meeting. And so my mom kept driving out there. My um, stepfather was working for Western Electric at the time and um, out in Kenya, Prussia. So she got to see something different. She saw something different for herself and that's what she wanted. So um, mm-hmm. that was great. So in that area, from the experience of my grandmother being sick, she had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful team of nurses that were around her. And that's what kind of formed where I wanted to be a nurse my whole Life journey was to be a nurse all through school, went to vocational school when I was going to have a horse in the last couple of years to become a nurse. That's what I wanted to do. And then actually I wow. um, had a job in insurance prior to getting into cable um, when I was like from like 16 up to about 17. Um, I worked in insurance for a little bit to use the medical knowledge that I had with insurance claims and, you know, and stuff. And then... Ended up, um, my mom had gotten divorced. (laughs) So I was was going to nursing school. Then, unfortunately, she got divorced. And my bills weren't being paid for. So I had to get a job. And so um, I had a neighbor who owned a cable distributorship. And I went to Toner Cable, um, which is still existing right on Horsham Road in Horsham. And um, God bless Mr. Toner. um, Both he and his brother now have passed away. But that's where I first got into the cable. And she was at Toner Cable. And then stayed there for about a year, year and a half. And then there was a job and it was a job in the paper for a customer service representative at General Instrument, Gerald. Um, at the time it was Gerald. And I applied for this thing. Oh, I'll just try it. You know, see, I'll go over here for the summer and work this summer job. And that ended up being a 28-year career. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I went being, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I went from being a, a, a receptionist at the t- toner cable and answering the phones and passing off sales calls to actually working at General Instrument as a customer service representative. So I was, I think I was 19 that year and I turned 20 the next year. But it was funny because when I started, it was myself and Dawn Lang and they put me in customer service. There was no, there were, there was no training. It was literally here's your desk, here's your, your CRT terminal, not even a computer, a CRT terminal with a keyboard, on a oh lazy Susan God. that I shared with, with that I shared with Dawn. And we had to share. Like I'll be waiting for her to get off the phone. i would be like, okay, hey, when's she gonna get off the phone so I can answer my customers' question Because I had to type stuff in. I had these accounts that right now don't even they don't even exist right now. They all been consolidated oh, wow. down. But just wonderful, wonderful companies. And um, no training. I went from learning trying to give someone a needle to doing a 450 megahertz upgrade at you know at one <laughs> at, at one cable. <laughs> <game. laughs> the Mamas <laughs> County rebuild with a big old green ledger. book. Yeah. No Excel spreadsheets. Big no. green ledger book with Boss Street. with the lining standards, lining standards were going in. What taps were going in. Like just yeah. knotting not it off on a, on a big green ledger book. Um, trying to do their rebuild down mm-hmm. in mama County, New Jersey. So, yeah, it was fun, and th- and th-
0: that made it fun. And didn't you s- send customers or prospects mm-hmm. like? Materials wasn't that part of what your job was? Well,
1: for, for, for at the first when I first went into Gerald, I was in customer service and I handled that, and then I went on to I handled MSOs in the southeast. Then I started handling distributors, um, and then and then ultimately um, one of my salespeople who got promoted into international. I found out years later that how I got into international customer service was that when he got asked to take that role, he told them I'm not going to take it unless Anita. Can go with me. So, okay. So, we had to figure out international. Mm-hmm. And mind you, international sales at that time, there was no infrastructure for that. No one had like collected money for it. We had always shipped products in to the country. We had never shipped stuff back out. So, we had to all learn how to do logistics. The I was, I had to do yeah, I was that. customer yeah. service, logistics, finance. I was doing oh, the performing invoices. Like, I was going to the local. Um, I, This is funny to get product back out the country, to get carnets and stuff. No one in our company, not even our, our logistics person at that time, didn't even know how to do that. So I went home one night and was just talking to my mom. And I said, you know, i got to figure out how to get this stuff back out of the country. I got this carnet. They want all these official signatures. She went, just go talk to your, your, your the local representative, your state representative. And I went. Oh. There you go, mom. And so I did. So I went. And at that time, it was yeah. Ms. Binsky who had just gotten into office. All- <laughs> and I went to go talk to her. she thought it was the best thing ever because she had this young girl coming to her saying, I got this thing for my company for international shipments and she thought it was like the best thing ever and just say, Don't, no problem. Whenever you have shipments, just have it come through my office and we'll take care of that for you. And that's, she ended up being the one that helped me whenever we had international shipments until logistics figured it out, she would sign off on the paperwork to help me get it through the commerce department to get our shipments out quicker. So that was how we had to jump in and just like, everybody was learning how to do it, how to do letters of credit, how to do the performance, customs, My phone bill was ridiculous. My mother used to be like, you you better get someone to pay my phone bill. My phone was $300 a month. Because there was, you know, there was calls in the middle of the night. My stuff was stuck in customs. What's going on? And, you know, it was crazy. (laughs) Oh, my god! I've never had work-life balance. There is no work-life balance. I have not had that in the last 30 years. So. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, it's a good thing that's not the topic of our <laughs> conversation today. But isn't it right? And for all the people that you've mentored over the years, which we'll get to that mm-hmm. in a minute, I can only imagine that that topic must come up all
1: the time. Yeah, you just gotta learn how to balance it. And you know, and in our industry, I mean, thank God we are in an industry where our worker, our co-workers end up becoming your friends because you're spending so much time with them. And yeah. you know, probably 70% of my friend base and literally a hundred percent of the people who are really close to me. Or from the industry that I've known for years, so um, mm-hmm. you just end up it ends up just blending together where you don't even you don't even notice that it's that, that, that it's happened. <laughs> it's part of your life.
0: So I want to go back to you helping your grandmother and observing the nurse care that she was receiving, and then that just like igniting something in you about wanting to be a nurse. Like, just what did you see? What, what were you thinking? Yeah, my grandmother
1: was so independent. And to see her have a stroke and not be able to take care of herself, I think even at that age, I knew that she would never want anyone taking care of her, washing her, you know, doing her hair. That was just not what she would have wanted. But she had the most wonderful—we ended up hiring this woman um, when we thought we were bringing her home to Mrs. Stalworth, who was amazing. I still remember her name. She probably did not gone now. But um, Mrs. Stalworth was so loving with my grandmother, was so careful— and, like, would talk to her even when she was in her coma. She was in a coma for the first um, few months, and then she came out of it. But my grandmother, when I saw her, when she did open her eyes and she was cognizant and knew what was going on, well, she had probably had had this relationship with, with Mrs. Stalberg even when she was in her coma because she wasn't all freaked out. She was so calm right. because she knew that she was being taken care of, right? It hurt her and voice. She heard her voice. She kept my grandmother, you know, other people in the hospital, you hear about them getting those sores and being really sick and not being taken care of. My grandmother never had a sore. My grandmother had these beautiful pink nightgowns and my mom bought beautiful nightgowns and stuff for her. Like Mrs. Stalberg took such good care of my grandmother that I think that's what stayed with me with that. I wanted to be able to take care of people like that too.
0: So- How does that translate, Zanita, into what you do today? Because, I mean, I have the privilege of getting to see... I mean, here's a vision for our listeners Mm -hmm. to just capture. Imagine being Zanita and walking into a room and everyone who looks your way lights up. Like, everyone that I see notice you. They're like, oh, Zanita! You know, and like, you just have that... And I I do the exact same thing when I see you. So, like... Like, how do you translate that, like, desire that you have had to be a caregiver mm-hmm. into what you're doing now?
1: Well, you know, I asked my, my boss about that um, before, but I think it really comes from your inside. I do have to say that all of us have had lives that were interesting, and I definitely have had a very interesting um, life as far as yes, um, growing up. You know, I was born in Philadelphia, but my mom, you know, had had was a, my father died a few months after I was born. So she was single for a little bit, but never really single. My mom was married four times. <laughs> so my mother was definitely, she got married, did not date, right? I never, you know, I never saw any of her dates until like, guess what? I'm getting married. And me, like, what? Okay. But, um, so she was always very protective of me in that respect. Right. And I had a very, very close relationship with my mother. And I do have to say that my mother and the three gentlemen that she was openly married to after my dad, we had great relationships. Right. And so. I've been. I have been loved. I absolutely can say my mom thought there was no other person. No, nothing was. I was the priority, and not. I don't think it was even only because I was the only child. But I just definitely have always had a very confident self assurance about myself because I've always been loved, right? And in, in that cocoon of love. And I do think that has a lot to do with it from an early age, as well as, you know, my mom said when she told me to kindergarten, you know, most, most kids would be like crying, don't leave me, don't leave me. And I was like, bye! You i not be like, said I see, I'm still, you know. Um, i just been very independent as well. So I got that spirit as well, mm-hmm. just knowing that the confidence that I knew when I went home, my mom was going to be there. I knew if I was going to get picked up at a certain time, my mom was going to be there. I didn't have any of that. None of that was going on. And I think that as I went through life, it wasn't worried about people liking me because I was—I knew I was loved by, it. at least when I went home, it was, it was all about me. So I think that has a lot mm-hmm. to do with it. I think that, um, again, seeing my grandmother being taken care of and I wanted to be a, a caretaker and, and take care of things and, uh, and take care of people. Um, I think when I went to work at this job, I did ask my boss that years later about, you know, how did I go from nursing to this? And he goes, well, you know what? you're taking care of people in a different way now. Because I did take my customer service job probably a little bit more, <laughs> a little further than what it probably needed to be taken. And George mm-hmm. actually kind of summed that up for me years later into my career and said, I know you've mm-hmm. always wanted to be a nurse, but you really came into this company and ended up just taking care of the people, your salespeople if they needed something, your customers if they needed, and your coworkers if they needed.
0: Absolutely. And what do you think drives that for you, Zanita? Like, is this something that you do consciously if you ask me to do something i'm
1: gonna do it and it's not just going to be i i am going to try my very very best to do it right and i think that and, and i and, it, and it's not just for you it's also for me as well that i know that i have exhausted everything i could possibly do for you If you asked me to do it for you i'm gonna do that so I think that's where it comes from. If you're gonna ask me to do something, you trust me with that, then I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do my very best to take care of it. That's so do you know, I know we were joking about work-life
0: integration and just like being in demand and all of that. So are you thoughtful about what you commit to because you know you're going to give it that level of attention?
1: Absolutely. And I and I do think um another thing that has happened as well is that my mother was also growing up, it wasn't about it was about consequence, right? So if you didn't do something, there was going to be a a consequence on the other side there. If I asked her if I could go do something, she's like, well, if I do this for you, I'm not going to be able to do these two or three things. So you pick out what you want to do. And I never forget one time when I was a teenager, back in the designer jean phase, I went crazy on wanting to pair these Gloria Vanderbilt jeans. And I, in the first time ever in my teenage life, I had a hissy fit, which which I was not allowed to have, but I had one. And I never forget, shot one of these jeans. I wanted I wanted them and my mom and my stepdad at that time, you know, it was kind of like, you know, we are trying to get some things together, we're paying our mortgage, you know. I loved um there's a comedian that always says um that he was just for, his family had just enough money to be a a poor black family in a rich white neighborhood. That's what we were. <laughs> and so they were trying, you know, they were struggling. And I was going off got these jeans. And so about a month later, I got those jeans, right? And I remember getting them. I got the jeans, I um wore them. And maybe about a month, maybe a month and a half later, after that, I came home from school one day and I went to hit the light and nothing came on. And I went, Oh, the power's down. Like I'm going all around the house. Oh, the power went out. And so um at that time, phones worked without you having a power <laughs> without you having power. So I called my mom, who's working at a local company, and I said, Mom, and she went, Oh, yeah. She goes, Um, what happened? And I said, I came to the house and the power was out. like, something was wrong in the neighborhood. I see everybody else's lights are on. And she goes, "Um, what, do you, what did you wear to school today? And I said, why are you asking me this? We have no power. You asked me about what I wore to school. And I said, I had my jeans on. Right? And she went, oh, okay. And I went, okay. So when we got home, my stepdad came home from work. She came home. We went to over to the Days and i never forget, went to the Days in a horse room. We got a hotel room. We got some um, Roy Rogers chicken. I remember Roy Rogers because it was right across the street. And we got dinner and we stayed at this hotel. Had a great night that night. We watched the movie. But my stepfather and my mom purposely let the power go out and say, but, they said, but you got your jeans. And this was not the days where you could just call the power company and sort of say, OK, here's your credit card number. Turn it back That's on. Okay. We had to wait yeah. for somebody to come out. So she had already arranged for it went out. She had already arranged for them to come out and put everything back on. But she said this she was not that this is an issue. But this is what happens when you made us make a choice to buy you a $50 back then, a $50 pair of jeans instead of paying mm-hmm. something. And not that they couldn't have paid the bill, they just wanted to teach me a lesson. So I went and got a job after that. <laughs> and part time job at the school was like, I, she chased yeah. me years later, you know, unfortunately she passed away in 2017. And when she, we were, I didn't know she was, that she was dying, let's put it that way. Um, she had told mm-hmm. the hospital not to tell me. And we were just in the hospital having one of those mother-daughter talks while I was laying in bed with her while she was sick. And she told me, mm-hmm. she's, you know, she, later, she went, I just did that to mess with you. And so, yeah, and so then John said, I cannot believe you guys did that. But she's like, yeah, it, it shows me the consequence. And she said, she goes, I might have instilled in you a little bit too much. So,
0: like, where does that life lesson come back to you? Like, at, at what points do you think about something like that?
1: Even in myself, with my home, being able to take care of myself, um, paying bills, you know i always look at you know you need to be very very responsible pay your bills pay your mortgage pay mm-hmm. your car payment you know you have got there there's you just got to be very responsible that that's something that's very mm-hmm. much ingrained that i take care of myself um and mm-hmm. be able to maintain myself so.
0: so you have a lot of wisdom that you have gained from your mom mm-hmm. from the Multitude of people that you've Absolutely. shared experiences with in life. Um, curious to hear some of like you know the greatest hits, like the Zanita Henderson. Here are some of the things that I think about all the time. This is one of them. I think the one that you just shared with us.
1: That is yeah. one of them. Um, I definitely have to say that I had a conversation with um, with Maria Brennan.
0: So Maria Brennan, for those listening, is the president of the WIC network.
1: Um, before I was getting ready to get one of my really big awards in the industry, um, and she called me down in DC and just wanted to talk to me, because I, you know, I have had a wonderful career in the cable industry. I evangelize it everywhere. I love the body of work that I've been able to do. I love the opportunities as an African American woman that I was able to get in this industry and the jobs that I was able to get. I mean, I was young back then <laughs> and had responsibility for a lot of yeah. stuff that. And was behind the scenes of a lot of things that have happened in our industry through the Gerald GI Motorola. Ultimately, I was it was Ares when I left there, now I know Discows. Yep. But I was very fortunate to be on the back end of a lot of really cool and um technology innovations that have happened over the years. I was there, right? I had a cat a cat bird seat to all of that, supported it, was there in one way or another, was in the mix with all of that. Very proud of it. But again, like I say, I never was the type to be like, "Ah, I'm here, you know, and making a big show of that. It's just not my style. It really isn't. People are surprised about that, but it really isn't my style. Um, I am very shy, believe it or not, and I hate public speaking. But I've gotten past that. (laughs) And um, but I remember Maria calling me down to say just that that I had been in the background way too long. Right. And that I needed to start owning my stuff and the things that I've done, because I really was a person of like, you know, I've been doing all this work. People will notice it. If eh. yeah, my executive team knew it. Right. But then when mm-hmm. I was at Ares and that last year, when the last two executive, I was very blessed that through my career, the salespeople who I work with, the sales executives I work with was my senior team. Right up and from the time I was 19, probably up until I was about 40-something, which is unheard of in this industry, right? But when we mm-hmm. got purchased, um, but the last purchase we went through, two of our my last two executives left the company. They, they were like, okay, we're leaving to pursue other opportunities. And when that happened, I had to reinvent myself because the people at the new company didn't know me. The people from Aris, they probably heard of me, but they didn't know me, right? And so you had to start mm-hmm. reinventing yourself. And that's when I learned it with that the people that were there with me through all that whole career span, they all knew the work I did. The people at Motorola knew the work that I had did. You know, I had a great reputation um, all the way through my career, but it wasn't anything that was done outside the walls of my organization. And that's what woke me up. And so it was Maria calling me to the carpet to say, you need to start stepping up and doing this. I and mean, you know you're getting ready to get this award and things are going to start happening for you. And then it was also Yvette Knopf and Nomi Bergman and, and Jennifer Yohi and all of those guys that kept pushing me. To do things, Jennifer mm-hmm. Yogi called me one day and told me that she wanted me to, you know, you need to join WIC and be, and, and, and ultimately she wanted me to run for president for WIC. And I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. And she was like, you, you, you need to do this. So Jennifer was like, what I do? my mom didn't talk to me the whole weekend that um, I had told Tracy that I wasn't going to do it because I just had so much work to do at work. I gave her some crazy excuse. And I told my uh-huh. mom that I was not going to do it. My mother didn't talk to me the whole weekend. Then uh-huh. I got to work. That money was talking to Berner, and Berner got me in her office. She kicked me out of her office and told me go call Tracy back and take, and tell them you'll be president of week. <laughs> and so, and that's what made me do it. And I called Jennifer and said, "Yeah, Jennifer, I'm gonna go ahead and do it because my mom wouldn't talk to me the entire weekend." The one person at work who I knew I could go to had this safe space where she kicked me out of her office. So, yeah, I need to go. I need to go do this. You're like, OK, it's time. It's time. It's more than and time. so <laughs> that did it. And then just that reinforcement from Jennifer and the reinforcement from your Yvette and Nomi and, and, I, and Sally Kinsman, who's always was like chirping in the back of my head the, the entire mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. whole 2000s. You know, God bless oh, yeah. her soul. She's passed away very recently, but mm-hmm. Sally was always kind of underlining, like, "You need to go do this. You need to go do this. You need to go do this, or just make your presence yep. more known." So, um, that's what kind of pushed it was that other people pushed me to, "You need to start mm-hmm. stepping up and owning what you do, and knowing what you're worth." It. And that's what I talk about now with everybody. It was like, "Yes, absolutely." You know, do it in a way that is good for you. I mean, don't tell Grace this, but she'll probably see it. <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody, like they tell you, oh, it's big bravado. You got to do. It. If that's not your personality, right? And if that's not that's how your, your own, boss yeah. is, per- if that, that's not the way your boss is, you got to be careful how you do it. I tell people, you be mm-hmm. very careful of yes. Let people know you did that work, but also take the temperature in the room. Know your boss might be thinking if you are. If you come at them that strong, they might be thinking you're trying to take their job, or. You know, mm-hmm. you just got to take the temperature and let your boss be proud of you, not scared of you. That's, I mean, the long story, very short, just like know what you're working with. You know, you can get a boss that's kind of like, oh, she's trying to overstep me or trying to disrespect me, but do it mm-hmm. in a very, let people know what you're doing, but do it in a very respectful.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we've known each other about a dozen years now, Zanita, so we've seen each other through a lot of things. And I remember hearing you talk about being a good Robin. Yes. For Batman or Batwoman, Absolutely. and you know what I'm hearing you say here is that yes, and like mm-hmm. yes, there are times when that is the right role to play, is to just like be the yeah. the wind in the sails of others, and then there's other times where you're
1: the captain, and you got to be able to step up. And yeah. I told my team, and I always promised myself that when I if I ever got to a management position where I was managing people. I want all my people to be Batman. You know, I don't want them to be like, here, Z. you he no, I need for you to have my boss. see You walk down the hall. And he asked you a question. You got the answer. I'd rather hear him say to me, oh, Z, I ran into so-and-so and they gave me, I asked him a question. They gave me the answer. That's awesome. I go, that's amazing. That's exactly what I want. Not them running mm-hmm. into me in the hall and say, oh, I asked your, your coworker, so-and-so, and they couldn't even give me the answer. That's not what I'm looking for. You know, you're looking mm-hmm. for that next. I need you to be the next CMO. I need you to be the next VP of this department and to own your work. That has always been from the time I went to STT, when I was actually managing people up through the job I have now, everybody in there, I tell them I need for you all to be a CMO and own your stuff.
0: So do you prepare them for that, you know, proverbial elevator ride?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I tell them to keep it succinct. Yeah, I tell them to keep it succinct. They, they, they ask you a question, but they don't want the long story. Give them the, the cliff notes version. But just, yeah. <laughs> If you run into them speaking, but if you, you know, if there's a presentation or something you have to give, yes, keep your presentation very tight. But then what I always do is keep an appendix. And if you want to say, you can take very mm-hmm. carefully during the meeting as you're giving your presentation. Here's the top level. But if you want the detail, it's in the back. That way they can go to
0: to it. That's great. What great advice. So the way you were describing like owning your Mm seed and like owning your work is like that balance between being like almost so humble that you're a secret Mm -hmm. to like on the far other side would be being arrogant. So you're like somewhere in the middle.
1: There, there's a middle ground there that I think I've, you know, for yeah. my personality, I've mastered that. And I know when I need to be, you know, <laughs> I know I, I judge the room. I, I take the temperature of the room and I know which, which way I got to go. Um, but I think mm-hmm. I have learned that over time. And I think a lot of people just have to kind of get that motion and get that rhythm. And, mm-hmm. you got, but you got to practice it. because you're gonna you, you might make someone mad at one point, but you're going to learn from that. Right, You're going to learn maybe I mm-hmm. was a little bit too strong on that one, but I could have pulled it back to this. So yeah. it, you, you definitely have yeah. to learn what your what your personality is and, and also who you're working for. You have to come somehow just figure out what your boss's personality is and the, the people that you're dealing with. But some mm-hmm. boss what her, want you to are. be subordinate, not subordinate, but want you to be like, okay, come to me first and then let's see. And some just say, mm-hmm. you know, I'd rather just let you go. Right, just I'd rather yeah. prepare you. And let you be seen, right? Yeah. Um, instead of just saying, no, don't do it. And then you get caught in the hallway mm-hmm. like a dare in the head. Like, I will not want that.
0: Yeah. So I think that speaks to your mentorship. I think that you're like that mm-hmm. mentor leader type. And, and, you know, one of the ways that we've had the chance to build the friendship is through mm-hmm. the WICT Tech Connect, the S-C-T-E WICT. Women's Tech Connect Mentoring Program, and you've been a mentor for many years yep. now. And I think that you probably still mentor the people <laughs> that you were partnered
1: with years ago, knowing you. Yes. Yeah. I still yeah, have relationship. Yeah, they turned into really good relationships. So it's been great. Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's sometimes, you know, we, we, I, I just want to let you know, we, 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 didn't, we don't follow the program. We...
0: <laughs> okay, I always
1: say, do it your way. Do it your way. Exactly. What do you need help with this week? When you're talking to your bosses. What's going on? You know, we ended up as more of a, you know, I think I always say working in the cable industry is more of a psychology. You need a psychology degree as well because you got, like I said, you got to work the room, know who you're talking to, know what you're working with. And sometimes it's just about the delivery of the information, right? Mm-hmm. Or knowing that, you know, I had a, I had a mentee that she would want to do things. She would go to the executive meeting with her boss. And she would hear certain buzz things that need to happen, and she would keep pointing back to the person that was leading the meeting, like, and telling her boss, "We need to do this because so and so wants to do it." And look, look what I did because we were in that meeting, and so and so said to do this. Well, well, she didn't. I said, so she, he would be like, "Why are you? Do, why was she doing it? Why was she wasting her time on that, and not doing what she should have been doing?" And she was doing both. She was doing her work at a high level and doing what this person had asked him to do mm-hmm. in the meeting. But what she would kept relating it back to was the person that that was um leading to me, right? And what she didn't know was that, you know, and unfortunately, in business, this happens, that person may they, there may have been some stuff going on there, you know Some, And I said, "Stop saying that person's name. Just go in there and say you did it. Don't mention just so, do it Drive, send them the email and say you did it. Don't mention the person's name. just just say you did it. And do you know the next month when I talk to her? He was thanking her up and down, like, thank you for getting that done for me. Like, she was trying to get things done for him. That way he could go back to this meeting with this person and be able to say all this stuff got done. But I think, you know, sometimes if you work with someone you might not necessarily care for, you turn off, right? Mm -hmm. And he wasn't Mm going to do it. Because that's just what he... But she was doing it. She was yeah. picking up one She the had to find another way to be informed. And I said, stop mentioning that person's name. Stop mentioning you did it because of that. Just do it. Email to them and just say, I did it. Talk to you later. Let's talk about it. If you, and do you know, after that, it was smooth sailing. She got promoted. All mm-hmm. kinds of cool stuff happened for her after that. It's mm-hmm. just psychiatry. It's yes. just like don't First keep score. mentioning. It's just like when people say, you know, oh, I'm not gonna do something. We don't do it that way here. You know, that whole thing.
0: And you're like, yeah. Right. Sometimes
1: you just don't know the psychiatry of some people or there might not be as great a relationship. So for
0: those listening who understand the value of mentoring, they have wanted to do that but just haven't, like, I think one of the gaps for people is the like, what would I even say? You know, how do I, you know, what, what do I have to offer someone else? Right. Um, like what, what encouragement do you have for those listening who aren't mentors yet, but- I think that you have, have, a, a, lot
1: of, you have a lot of experience that you can share. It's not just, um, you don't have to do the talking. Listen, let them, you know, let, read the, you know, we read the books, we, we go through the questions, but find out what's happening in their day. Right. And, you, and mm-hmm. you if you've been in industry for a long time, you've had those same issues, how they're looking for you to tell them, how can I work myself out of this situation that I'm in right now? Right mm-hmm. now, because you have if you've been in business for more than 10 years, you run across the same situations that they're going through right now. And that's what they that's look right. for. How did and was it successful for you? And if it wasn't successful, tell them why and say, you know, you always look at yourself and you go. Wow, I didn't handle that right. How would I have handled that differently? So, you know, i talked to my mentee and said, hey, I did so-and-so on that, and it bugged me tremendously. Here's what I would have done differently in that situation now, thinking about it after the fact, That's yeah. what they're looking for. That's what the mentee mm-hmm. So you don't have to go in there prepared because they're going to come at you with some stuff that you probably either haven't dealt with and you go, oh my God, how would I do that now? You know, talk through it. Like, okay, okay well, I haven't been through that, but if that was happening to me, or I know a friend who went through that and here's what she did. That's what they're looking mm-hmm.
0: for. Yeah, for sure. And I think another point on this is around, you know, on the on the topic of mentoring and your service mm-hmm. to the industry is that, you know, the programs that that you know, I have in common are around women in the industry. Absolutely. And I know you have a huge passion for all people to be successful, but you have a really, you know, uh, a spot in your heart for women leaders. Absolutely. You know, tell me about, you know, what drives you. With what that. was
1: that? You know, obviously, know, with our industry, we've gotten a lot better. I mean, over the last 40 years, with all the diversity and inclusion programs that we have, we've gotten so much better. So, yes, we're still working, but there's still work to do. Never going to say this, to we don't have enough, right? Um, but, Because it was the cable industry was such a male dominated field, right? Uh, Other than customer service, right? (laughs) Yeah. In those technical fields, it was very, very much so male dominated. That is why I want us to be represented. I want women to be represented in the room. I want people of color to be represented in the room. I want people who need accessibility um, accommodations to be represented in the room. But um, for women, it just seems to be tougher because we do take. We are the caregivers, right? Look at me, right? I was care. I want to be a caregiver, right? But we need to be taken care of as well, right? And I think that it is on our industry to make sure that the women are that women are represented in the room across all facets of all of the careers in our industry, not just in the technology mm-hmm. space but in the legal space, HR everywhere, that that we're well represented there.
0: Mm, Thank you for that. And I appreciate the way that you're describing individuals who are members of Mm -hmm. communities that aren't always represented Absolutely. and you just brought up the disability community. And I've heard you say before, like, you know, if you're making an accommodation for somebody who wants a standing desk,
1: right, right, you right.
0: know, I mean, what, and very often the accommodations for people with disabilities it's are less than $500. Good, exactly, so
1: exactly.
0: just, you know, being the kind of leader that is asking those questions, listening, I think that's a key point that you just made. Um, so I'm going to just give a highlight here of some takeaways for people who have and listening to this conversation or thinking, you know, how can I model some of the things that Zanita has talked about? So one of the things you mentioned was about being loved and 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 knowing that you were loved and how that enabled you to be confident and not be as preoccupied with being liked. So I just think for those of us listening, just think about like who do you love and who loves you, and how can that be fuel for you. Um, and then you also talked about being trusted to do the things that you are asked to do 100%. So, you know, whatever it is that you're committed to, how can you exceed expectations, really take that responsibility? And then you said know your worth. I mean, that's something that all of us I think could benefit from contemplating more of like the value that you bring and not just the things that you enable with the outputs and the results, but just like how you affect an environment just by being yourself. Um, and then you talked about letting people know that you did the work in, in that, that hybrid of humble and, you know, confident. And then the last thing I have in my notes about takeaway tips is to listen, right? (laughs) The ratio of ears to mouth, right? So like spend more time listening. Anything else you would add to that? Something that we covered or didn't cover, but that you'd want people to walk
1: away with? Yeah. And I think just even for the work part is also around your salary as well. I would say that, um, I went mm-hmm. in, when I first started, Gerald, I probably went in lower than what I probably should have financially. But, and it took years mm-hmm. to catch up because I didn't know, right? Like I said, I was coming from a nursing field, going into that. And so, you know, nowadays, and back then in the 80s, you couldn't go on the internet and search, you know, what is a customer service rep making these days? <laughs> but you couldn't, you couldn't do, do that, that yes. back then. But now you can, right? And so I think that from a, you know, definitely your worth as far as your, your being and your person, but also from a financial responsibility for yourself, make sure that you're getting your due in that area. Mm,
0: very smart. So
1: that, that equity thing is real.
0: It's real, yes. And to your point, it's you can't you can't catch up. So you have to start off strong. Right? you have to start off on par. Right, because it's like nobody's going to give you a forty percent
1: increase. Exactly. Yeah, it took years for me for that to happen for me. So. Yeah,
0: know your your work. So I want to close with a couple lines from a poem that was written about you and the link will be in the show notes. So Bob Gold um, partnered with Ryan Ashley to write a poem about you. You're really the only person I know who has a poem about them. But in this poem, it is said a couple of truths and it says, you're soulful sweet, you're spirit large, you are more beautiful than you seem to know. I'm so deeply grateful for you, Zanita.
1: I'm immensely grateful for you.
0: Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give.
1: We grow when we
0: give. We grow when we give.